And now, live from beautiful Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, you're watching My Fellow Americans with your host, Spike Collins. Oh, thank you. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, please. Oh, please. Thank you. Thank you. Keep clapping. Keep clapping. Clap for the green screen miracle. How would we know that you wanted the green screen miracle if you didn't keep clapping? Folks, welcome so much. Welcome to My Fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen, and I am so happy to be here with you with my green screen that still it needs a little work. I know, like, you know, you're going to have to suspend a little bit of disbelief that I'm not really in the Seychelles or whatever is behind me. Um, but uh, I do finally, the, the dreaded uh, corner of death behind me is finally gone. Uh, and I'm no longer in my uh, guest room. I'm now actually in, as you can see, uh, this this little chateau by the water. Um, thank you so much for, for uh, hanging out with us tonight. We're going to have a really fun time. Of course, this is a Muddied Waters Media production. Check us out everywhere. All social media platforms, all podcasting platforms. Wherever you're finding us now is not the only place that you can find us. Find us everywhere else and go there and like us, follow us, subscribe to us, comment on on that thing, whatever it is, on, on that video or podcast. Like other people's comments. Reply to their comments to get them to like your comments. Make friends through liking comments, boosting everyone's algorithm, especially ours. Be sure to do that. Be sure to share this right now. The last thing I want is for you and your closest loved ones to miss out on a roughly hour-long Libertarian podcast on a Wednesday evening. That would be terrible. Be sure to give the gift of Spike today. Kids love it. And of course, uh, if you are following us, deciding to subscribe to us on YouTube, don't just subscribe. Hit the bell. Hit the little bell next to it. I want your phone to explode with notifications every time I do anything on the internet ever. Please do that. Uh, and also, be sure to subscribe. Become a Muddy Waters Media subscriber. Go to anchor.fm slash muddywater slash subscribe and you can, for $10 a month, you can become a member of the Muddied, Muddy, Mud, we still haven't come up with a name for, but you can become a subscriber. And in becoming a subscriber, you get access to exclusive Muddy Waters content for, just for subscribers. You get an ad-free experience on uh, on Spotify. You get a video version of our podcast on Spotify with no ads. Uh, and also you get a monthly access to the Muddy Zoom, which is a private Zoom uh, with us, uh, all the Muddy Waters uh, people, and all of the subscribers. So be sure to do that. It's only 10 bucks a month. My... First uh, sponsor, the, this show is brought to you as always by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the second largest caucus in the Libertarian Party and the fastest growing caucus in the Libertarian Party. And yes, that's actually true. That's a real thing. That's yes, that's actually true. Um, and if you want to become a member of the fastest growing caucus in the party, uh, join the Facebook group Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, or you can go to muddiedwatersmedia.com and press the store button and you can buy some sweet Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus merch uh, there on the Muddy Waters Media store. The Gravy King, Joe Soloski. Joe Soloski is running for governor of Pennsylvania. Joe Soloski is the key, in my opinion, to Pennsylvania's success. And if you'd like to help Joe Soloski, I keep saying Joe Soloski so that you remember the name. If you'd like to help my friend Joe Soloski become the first libertarian governor ever, be sure to go to joesoloski.com. That's J-O-E-S-O-L-O-S-K-I.com. 
Mudwater, the most appropriately named sponsor we have here on Muddy Waters Media. If you woke up today and said, Spike, why are you in my room? But while you're here, I'd like you to know that I am sick of drinking coffee. I just realized that waking up this moment. I'm sick of the highs and the lows. I'm sick of the crashes. I'm sick of the jitteriness. I want something better. But there's not anything better, is there, Spike? Also, get out of my house. Well, folks, I have some fantastic news for you because, first of all, I didn't mean to be in your house, so I'm leaving right now. But second of all, we have exactly that. It's called Mud Water. It is a coffee alternative, and it has masala chai, cacao, mushrooms, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, and literally nothing else. Uh, it gives you uh, one-seventh of the caffeine of, of a cup of coffee, just enough to get you all hyped up. And I, by the way, I do take this, so you're, ex you're experiencing mud water right now. Just enough to get you just excited to take on the day like this, but not so much that you end up with a crash and heart problems later in life like this. I have heart problems. Don't be like that. Go to muddywatersmedia.com. Uh, oh, no, that actually didn't work. Go to muddywatersoffreedom.com slash mud, and you can get some mud water today. Uh, you're going to love it. Jack Casey has written three books. What are they about? I have no idea. I'm never going to read them, and I've told you why. If they are bad, I'm going to feel bad that I took his money and told you to buy these books. And if they're good, I'm going to feel bad that I made fun of them every single week. But you should buy these books. I am told by many people whose opinions I respect to varying degrees that these books are in fact not bad. The Royal Green, In Silver Throned, and Crowned by Gold. Uh, if you go to theroyalgreen.com, you can buy these books from aspiring libertarian author and possible cult leader Jack Casey. Be sure to get that today. Thomas Queter is running to be the first libertarian state senator in New York. He's running for the 52nd district of New York. Thomas Queter says, I run better than Albany, which he finds hilarious because he's in a wheelchair. And that's, I am increasingly uncomfortable every time I do this ad, but he has asked me to do it. He's a friend and he actually gave us money to do this. So if you'd like to help Tom wheel his way to the state Senate, I made me say that too. Uh, then go to uh, tomfor52.com and you can help him. Seriously though, Tom is a great guy. He's an incredible person, incredible libertarian. He has a heart for the people and uh, you could find no one better suited uh, to be a representative for uh, anywhere in any state, but especially the 52nd district of New York because that's where he lives. Tomfor52.com, that's T-O-M-F-O-R-5-2 dot com and finally we're almost done with the sponsors folks defy the power and stitches and glitches the finest handmade handcrafted tumblers on the market with free free customization that's unheard of so if you go to stitches and glitches and defy the you can get all of that great stuff so thank you if after listening to all this you said spike i am sick of these ads I am now, I've been caused personal injury by them and I'm gonna sue you. Well, good luck, pal. I hope you're not in Florida because if you are, I'm gonna sue you back with personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. But if you are in Florida and you wanna sue someone that's not me because we already have an established uh, client relationship there with, with that attorney. But if you wanna sue someone else, then you should go to chrisreynoldslaw.com. He will get you just stupid stacks of money. Like, and again, he's not, he's not guaranteeing this, but I am. He will get you so much money. So, you know, when you would, uh, if, well, I don't know if you ever did this, you know, some, some, some can do this, where you like hold up money and you pretend that it's like a phone. You're like, oh, hey, mom, how are you? Uh oh, oh, this isn't my phone. This is a giant stack of $100 bills. That's the kind of life that you can live with personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. If you have a good suit, if you don't, he's going to probably not even take it. ChrisReynoldsLaw.com. 
The intro and outro music to this and every single episode of My Fellow Americans comes from the amazing and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That's J-O-D-A-V-I. Check him out on Facebook. Go to his SoundCloud. Go to his Bandcamp, joedavimusic.bandcamp.com. Drop the 25 bucks. Buy his entire discography. Uh, it, it, hours of incredible listening. His new album just dropped. Be sure to go do that right now. Jo- well, no, not now. Do this after the show's over. Joe Davi. Uh, I'd like to thank LeBlue for this delicious drinking water, purified drinking water that I'll be drinking on this episode. Oxygenated with ozone, BPA-free, non-carbonated, and kosher certified, like me. I don't know if I have BPAs, but if I don't, then this is is exact, I'm sure I have ozone. Bulubanaka. It is good water. Shout out to Tehran Turks' momentum as always. Folks, according to the Wall Street Journal, my guest tonight is the last cowboy, which is pretty offensive because they didn't even ask me what I wanted to do when I grow up. But he did make his fortune as an energy trader. He's now the CEO of Brisa Max Holdings. I probably should have asked him if I'm saying that correctly. Uh, he is based in the Virgin Islands, of course, and we're going to be talking all about that. Uh, he is also a high stakes poker player. And the reason we're having him on tonight is because, well, because he's a great guy, but also because he is the author of Die With Zero. And I have so many questions about this book. Uh, it is, uh, I cannot wait. I've been waiting uh, since we booked this. I have been eagerly waiting for this moment. I uh, cannot wait to talk with him. Ladies and gentlemen, my fellow Americans, please welcome to the show, Mr. Bill Perkins. Bill, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Thanks for having me. You entirely, you had entirely too much fun during doing the, uh, the sponsors. I mean, <laughs> I wish I had that much fun doing just anything <laughs> anything yeah so this anything. is this anything. is I, to, I told you this i warned you i said like it seems like i'm roasting my sponsors um but it actually works uh, you know when i first started doing it it was like all right if you want to give me money but i'm not going to be able to take this seriously because i i rarely take anything seriously especially if someone pays me and uh and then the uh it, it turns out it actually works well people go in they're like wow that's fantastic i'm gonna buy all those things because he made fun of it so you know it it, it works um, so, uh, and with that in mind, we're now going to talk about your book, but, uh, yes. I'm actually, no, I'm super excited about this. Uh, now I will admit that you do, I part, part of the reason, most of the reason why I brought you on was to talk about this book and, and about your incredible life. But part of it is that you are actually filling a quota. You see three times a year on this show, I have a male guest on who is arguably more attractive than me. And <laughs> we, we were running low. We only had two confirmed people who looked better than me who were male. And, uh, you know, we're rounding out the year. We wanted to make sure that we got it in. So you're on. So thank you for, for coming on. And, uh, and I, I look forward to it, man. Appreciate it. We might have to do a survey to validate that to make sure I made the cut. But who knows? <laughs> OK, in the comments, everyone, Spike versus Bill, who looks better? This is going to be br- this could be worse than like with my wife. This is just yeah. it's, it's like I, I go when I'm around people that look better. than me. So, folks, uh, be sure to uh, chime in with your thoughts and questions in the comments if you're listening or watching this live. And Bill and I will tell you if you are right or wrong. Now, Bill, before I whenever I have someone on the show for the first time, hopefully the first of many, uh, I always ask them about, I guess, their Genesis story. You know, what is it that got you to this moment where you are making this book? Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about what got you here. What Tell us the Bill Perkins story wow. in a nutshell. Yeah, I'm going to try and shorten it because, you know, we have a time limit. But <laughs> I guess, uh, you know, coming out of college, you know, grinding as a peon, and looking forward in my life, I started to think about 
what's the purpose, right? Like what, what is, what does money mean? You know, everybody has the idea that, oh, I want to be rich before X, before I'm 25 or 30 or whatever, whatever uh, delusions of grandiosity that I had at the time. (laughs) And, and, you know, those thoughts kind of brought up this idea of, well, I don't want to be rich at 95. Right. I don't, I don't like, I'm not working to get rich at 95 and I, and being rich as a baby doesn't really do you anything. Right. You're just going to wipe your butt with it or eat it or gum gum it. Right. It's really to convert that money into experiences. Right. Like I'm exchanging hours in my life for certain experiences I want to have according to my values. Right. Everybody has their own values. And so kind of realizing that as time goes on, recognizing that, you know, my body decays, my mind decays, um, my ability to convert money into experience is that I, that I choose also decays. So we start thinking about that. There's kind of like this optimization function of when is there going to be this maximum spend? Right. Right. If I'm trying to get the most out of life, right. I'm not going to work to work for free. I'm not uh, running in that wheel for no cheese, right? Like a rat for no cheese. Right. I want to, I want to get the reward. The reward isn't the money. The money is just a tool to get the things that I want, right? And so I'm like, okay, I need to, to order to get the most out of my hours working, I need to spend all the money before I die. So what does that spend pattern look like? Given the fact that my health will decline, my taste will de- change, um, and also the order of my life. Like, let's say I like going to strip clubs and hanging out with the fellas, right? That should be before I get married, not after, right? And if I want to climb Mount Everest, right, that 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 should be probably I'm not planning that for eighty six. I probably should be planning that, you know, sometime when I have the physical and uh, mental stamina to deal with the rigors of climbing Mount Everest. And so those questions were hitting me at various stages during my life, and I I, I was developing this this theory of, you know when you know it's i think everybody can realize quite obviously that you if you could you want to spend all your money before you die right um then the question becomes well how do you spend it all when you die how do you how do you optimize that spend so that you get the maximum experiences you possibly could while you're living well and so that's the interesting thing here so the thing that struck me, by the way, this is another interesting story that I'm not sure I told you. Someone told me about this. The reason I first found out about, uh, and by the way, I'm, I'm fully milking the fact that I have your book in front of me, so I keep holding it up, as opposed to having to rely on a graphic that has a book. So good job there getting me the book beforehand. Um, someone, I was telling someone about my personal experience that, you know, and I'm not sure if you know, if you know I can give you a nutshell version of this. I started a web design company when I was in my teens. I grew it into a successful company, and then I got diagnosed with MS, which completely derailed everything. Um, it, 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 it put me on realizing what you just said, you know, we are decaying. You know, it's not just you're going to die one day. It's your ability to live the life you want is also going away. So if you're waiting to become a multi-billionaire in your 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever, let's say that even happens, you're still going to be in your 60s, 70s, 80s at that point. 
And uh, and now and then with MS, it's like that's even potentially more accelerated. And that led me on this path of of changing everything, retiring from that, going full bore into uh, you know political activism and everything, which is why I am where I am now, and I couldn't be happier. Um, but I'm not as rich as I probably would have been had I stayed on that course. Um, and so someone said, you know, this sounds like something that I read in a book called Die with Zero. And I right. went, that's great. And so I, I looked it up and I looked you up and I'm like, man, I need to start following this guy. It turns out you're following me. So then I was like, so that's when I reached out to you. I was like, well, that's great. If he's following me, that, usually it's like, oh, hey, I'm a fan. I'd love to have you on. And you're already, so I'm like, you know, hey, would you like, come on? So uh, I, I agree with you 100% on this. I will say, I, 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 when I first reached out to you, I'm like, you don't mean really mean zero, right? And you're like, no, I mean, I mean, I 100% mean you should optimally try to strive to, in fact, that's actually one of your, your nine rules is aim to die with nothing. And Correct. as a Jew, I'm scared. So walk me, walk me <laughs> through this a little bit. What? As, as anybody who's ever worked hard and acquired capital, right? It, yeah. It's always scary, right? Like, you, you know, what if you spend all your money? What, you know, I hear there's all types of like yes. pushback that yes. is basically fear coming back at you. Right. And yes. you know, one thing I say is like, look, we're not going to do it perfectly. Right. We have our, our, our I just want to get this out front. We have our, our uh, fears, limitations. We're never, you know, we're constantly looking and upgrading our mental models to get to zero, but you know, you don't stop going to church because you're like, well, I'll never be like Jesus or I'll never be like Moses. So I'm not going to synagogue right. because right. Like, you, you yeah. strive for the optimal life, right? Even if you're going to miss it, right? You strive to be kind and, and forgiving and all these things that you want to be, but we're human and we're just always going to be suboptimal. What I'm trying to do is eliminate that waste. I'm trying to eliminate people being their own insurance agent against future calamities, which is clearly inefficient and silly, right? To have a customer of one yourself and like, well, I'm saving just in case this happens. I'm like, what actual tables did you use? <laughs> you know what I mean? You're one person. So you have to have this huge buffer, right? For this random event that you don't even know what the odds are. It, it's kind of, it's kind of just basically, you know, people being inefficient and when they're inefficient, they're they have wasted hours of their life working for no reward, no experience, no fulfillment, right? These experiences, choices, memories that they have, is what fulfills them. When they look back on their life, it will be, what choices did I make? What experiences did I have? You know, what, what did I do and not do, right? And, and most of us uh, are working. Yeah, we like our jobs, but out of the millions of things you could do, you probably didn't perfectly align with the job you would do for free. Right. Right. You did it as a means to an end, right? And the end was to get... First experience we all want to have is survival, right? We all want to survive, right? We want to pay the bills. We want to have food, shelter, et cetera. And then there's all these other experiences beyond survival, right? And so what I'm trying to do in the book is give people mental models to thrive, right? How do I optimize to thrive? How do I, how do I, how is my net fulfillment greater than my net worth? How do I do and this that? Is Hold on. This is I. You have this is the set, the fulfillment curve here that you're talking about, right? Yeah. So this this is a, a a concept in the book called memory dividends, right? And so okay, I talk about experiences as like, well, 
I want to have these experiences. I want to go to Florida and ride a roller coaster, right? right? And so you plan a trip, you have that, and you have this great experience. But it's not over. After you've had that trip, you'll recall that trip and have memories of that trip. You'll discuss it with friends. And you'll get enjoyment from what I call the memory dividend. It, will, it may be a fraction of the, of the original event, right? And it may decay over time. But oftentimes, the summation of those memory dividends will be greater than the original experience. So much like investing in a bank or a stock, right, where, where you do that for delayed gratification, you're like, oh, well, I'm investing for this cruise at 60, right? And it grows, it doubles, and you're able to afford the cruise at 60. And then you get this fulfillment from having this experience. But investing in experiences also pay dividends, much like investing in a putting your money in a bank and it pays dividends. It's called a memory dividend. And that's part of your fulfillment. So there is an optimal level here then though. And and I assumed as much because, you know, you're still you are still working. So it's not necessarily like, okay, whatever you have right now, spend it. Unless you're a billionaire already, then obviously just start spending. But there is an optimal level here, right? Like this is not uh go stop doing whatever you're doing right now and immediately start spending all of your money, you know, figure out how long you expect to live and spend that much until then you're trying to find this optimal, I guess, mix behind, you're trying to find an optimal mix between, uh, still building financial security, but not doing it for the sake of it. So where most people just keep saying, I want to keep growing my net worth and building a financial legacy, you're saying there's a point where there's a, a major diminishing return there. And not just for you, but for future generations. Because the first question I had when I first saw Die With Zero um, what about the kids? was, <laughs> what about the kids? And yes. then I open the book, and one of the first things I see, what about the kids? So clearly, I'm not the, the you know foresighted genius I thought I was. But so you're not saying leave the kids out or leave chick because my my second question was what about a legacy of helping those less fortunate and you know a trust fund and those types of things but you have answers for that as well yeah so the the, the first thing let's just talk about the kids or charities or whatever right like when i yeah, say yeah in order to get the maximum fulfillment out of your life the first thing first thing a rational person will do is aim to spend all their money before they die right all their exhaust all their resources before they die when I, the key word there is yours, right? Money that you've decided to give to your kids is not yours. I'm not saying spend your kids' money. I'm okay, saying spend okay. your money, right? So let's just take my kids as an example. The money that I've given them, they don't have control of it yet, right? But it's in a trust fund. So if I, you know, somebody money. sues me or something happens, that money doesn't get vaporized. So that's just smart planning, right? Because if you're just mentally keeping accounting, like, oh, this is for my kids, it's not really your kids yet, and it's at risk, right? Of all kinds of all kinds of things. Okay, um, you can give them the money without giving them control of it until they're mature enough, right? At the time they want to have, right? And that, and, and those are tools that people people have. If you don't have the exact amount of money uh, you want to give them, uh, it may be zero. But I'm not saying that you should or shouldn't, but you can give them a little bit per year and model that out into this separate account or gift account or whatever right like i'm not i don't want to go into like tax and estate planning but yeah, yeah, yeah. of course of course so because the same the same optimization curve for yourself the th same fact that 
you're going to you're going to reach a peak mental uh, acuity and peak physical maturity. And then you're going to go into decline and decay It's going to happen yeah. for your kids, too. And so for people to be waiting until they die and give money to 60, 65 year olds is suboptimal. Yeah. Right. Right. Like the average inheritance, I think, is 60. It's in the book. Um, it, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever ever. Um, yeah. um, it's, it's more like giving random amount of money to random people on a random date. It's not really planning or caring about your kids. It's just using historical culture of like, this is what happens. Right. Which is not really being thoughtful about what do I want to give, live my kids? When do I want to give it to them? When does it have the most maximum impact? Right. Like per- perhaps in certain people with certain health profiles, you know, I'm just use a hundred dollars uh, at thirty is like four hundred, five hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred, a thousand, two thousand dollars at sixty-two, right? Right. If right. they make it to sixty-two, right? right. And so the same thing where like you need to optimize your your spending and invest in experiences at a certain time and have the memory dividend to have the most fulfilling life is the same thing for your kids. Um, charities, that's an experience, like. I use the word experience as broadly as possible. So if you're like, hey, I'm allocating capital to charities, I, I, I have a, a, a talk in a book about the time is now, right? Like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much like, you know, Warren Buffett once said like, well, I, I can make a better return in the market and, and, and then I can give more money to a charity later. And, you know, I just kind of have threw up over that statement. I was kind of like, well, okay, we'll just let these thousand people die and these 10,000 people die while you go into the future, yeah. uh, this unknown future, and think that you're going to get a better return than an investment in a human broadly now. And I, I just think it's absurd. Like your 8%, 10%, you know, 15% return is not going to be greater than the capital investment in the charities that are efficient that you put in now. So the time is now, right? Like, I, 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 I just think those, those arguments are absurd. Um, Maybe there's some sliver of something where it does make sense that I, I don't know, charity for ice dancing or something that it doesn't really have that big of an impact. But uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm all about optimizing at all levels, right? If you run this kind of model, like the top level optimization for your life is the same for your children's life, charities, etc. It's all fear. I'm realizing this as you're saying it, all of this, I have to do it for the kids. I have to do it for charity. I have to do it for my legacy. It's not, it's if I, if I acknowledge, or at least I'm, at least this is for me, if I acknowledge that, that wealth building isn't this endless thing that only just magically ends when I die and that there's actually a curve to it that acknowledges my life cycle. I have to acknowledge my life cycle. I have to yes. acknowledge that I'm not only am I not going to be alive 100 years from now, it's possible that I might not be alive 40 or 50 years from now. And even before that, I'm going to not be in the same shape that I am right now. This is literally what I had to face because of MS that I would have never faced yeah. at this point in my life. I'd be freaking out being turning 40 next year because I'd be like, oh, now I'm getting old. But I, I, I it, this is fear. And it, yeah. it, I think it's also possibly that 
you know, if you go back a thousand years, you know, where someone's life expectancy was something like half what it is now, then yeah, it made sense to just build up what you had and however many kids you had that survived could have it for, you know, their formative years when, you know, when, and then, you know, when they die 20, 30 years later, they've built up whatever they have. But if, like you said, it, there are people who routinely outlive their kids and, and because they live to be 90 something and their kids died in their seventies, which neither of those is uncommon. And yeah, and it, it's yeah, kind yeah, of intuitive, no, ahead, right? Like ahead. when you, when, it's kind of intuitive, like, you, you know, in order to, you got woken up on like what experiences you got off autopilot. You said, okay, yes. I want to have these experiences and these are the things I want to do. And the book is really about getting off autopilot and have yes. a visceral understanding that you're going to die and you're going to decay. Right. So like you have to have that or else you live in this kind of la la land. Like it goes yeah. on forever. And that I'm good, you know, my life is going to look like a carnival cruise commercial when I'm in my seventies. Yes. And I got to tell you, and it's not. I lived, I lived in St. Thomas for seven years. It, it's not like that, <laughs> right? It's just, it's just not like that. And and you know, I get asked the question, why do you think um, it's such a hard, it's so hard for seniors to uh, to accumulate assets, like to spend down their assets? And and my answer is always they can't. The, the time has passed them. You know, there's the, there's the, the go-go years in your retirement, the slow-go years and the no-go years, right? And a lot of people think the, 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 the slow-go years are maybe in your late you know, 70s. And it's a lot earlier for a lot of people, especially the health profile in the United States of America. Maybe in Europe or Japan, it's a different profile. Um, and that's one thing you have to be in, viscerally in touch with like, okay, when am I going to die? What is my health profile? How is my decay curve going to look, et cetera, right? And these, these mental models that you're daily updating, weekly updating, et cetera, is going to inform you, okay, what experiences do I want to have and when? So it's not just like the movies where like you have this bucket list and before you die, like I'm going to run around and do all these things at 82 and be yeah. happy and then die, right? Like remember the movie, The Bucket yeah, List? Yeah. I'm just like, this is the most ludicrous thing I've ever seen in my entire life, right? Like what you should be doing is time bucketing your life, like, when the 40-year-old me dies, what experiences from 40 to 49 do I want to have? What belongs in this bucket? When I'm 50 to 60, what experiences belong in this bucket? 60 to 70, 70 to 80, 80 to 90, you know, and now we're, we're, we're approaching where, like, my, I'm expected to die at between 80 to 90, right? Right. And so, and so... And that's where, from wherever you are, right? It, from wherever you are, it's not, it's not too late, right? What experience, if I'm 20 and I'm single, right? Yeah. And it's 21 to 30, what experience is going 21 to 30? Because that you dies. What experience is when I have young kids, when my kids are five to, and I'm that parent? What experiences go in that bucket? And if you just eliminate the money, right? Because money is just a means to acquire, it is a medium of exchange, right? And you're right. exchanging right. experiences. Whether it's the experience of buying something and enjoying that thing or giving to charity or, or you know, being hedonistic and going out in Florida and going bananas, right? Like, it doesn't matter. It's your values, not my values, right? And so it's like, if you, if you just started, like, bucketing all these experiences, if you could perfectly do that now, right, you'd have this curve, and by and large, the money spending will re will kind of fit that curve as you go to zero, right? Because when you're, let's face it, I mean, 
uh, a lot of us have had older relatives or grandpas or grandpas dies. You look at the end of life, like they're not, they're not going anywhere. Their experiences come over and talk about old times. Come visit me, yeah. share photos. What's your life? They're not yeah. like, you know, I, I tell the story in the book. Uh, I, I made the dumb mistake of giving my grandmother, like I just and quote unquote made it. Uh, and I gave my grandmother for Christmas, like $10,000, right? She was 70 something at the time. I think 72. And, uh, the only thing she did with it was buy me a sweater <laughs> and that's it. And then my mom goes, well, she did buy a necklace for your, your daughter. And she corrected me. I made a mistake. Look, she did buy a necklace. But there was no consumption or experiences. Like, I'm going to get up my girlfriends and go drive to Florida. Or I'm going to go to the yeah. casino. Get, or I'm going on a cruise trip. Or There was none of that. There was there was none of that. And I, I at first I was like, shit. If I, if I had that money, that's what I would have done. I would have, you know right. what I mean? I would have done X, Y, and Z yeah. at 72. And then I checked myself and I was like, wait a minute. This is my ancestors. This will be me. Right? Who are you fooling? Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I already feel it now. Like, if, if, my, if my friends called me when I was 22 at 3 a.m., they'd be like, there's a party. There might be girls. I'd get up, go to wherever this party is on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, and charge right. it now. Now, don't don't call me after eleven. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. there's certain experiences already happening. If somebody calls me after eleven, I'm in a panic because I think somebody has died or something bad has happened. You know. Whereas before and it was like still- party or I'm getting lucky. And you're still relatively young, so this you know imagine twenty years from now what an eleven o'clock call will be like. So you actually have a. a it, there's two different fears here because like like you said, you know, after a certain point, you know, when people are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, my parents, they they want me to come over and, and spend time with them and, you know, you know, watch things with them and talk with them about stuff, maybe go out to dinner or something like that. But they're not looking to go on some like, you know, wild adventurous thing. Even I am much different than I was, you know, 20 years ago. I'm not even 40 yet. And but the the two fears you're dealing with, first of all, the fear of giving up money instead of the idea of, you know, having more money every year than you did before instead of less money than you had. But even more so, you're literally getting people to think about, okay, 39 year old me is going to die. What does 39 year old me want or 40 to 45 year old? You know, this not necessarily every day, you know. December uh, 1st, Spike is dead tomorrow. But like, you know, uh, Spike, who's going to be in his late 30s, early 40s, will be dead at this point. What does he want to do at that point? You're making people not just face their mortality, but the mortality of their immediate condition. And like you said, take them out of La La Land, out of autopilot. And which once they can make that, that leads to a way more fulfilling life because now you can see the charitable works that you wanted to do happening and and they can help people now you can see your kids benefiting from what you've given them you can see all these great things happening and and have that be part of your experience along with whatever else you wanted to do at the times that it would be optimal for you to do those things but it requires you like really giving up on this weird like almost immortality uh uh like sort of refusal to acknowledge our mortality thing that we have going it's it, it's incredible yeah i think if you if you just did that you're already optimizing right like when you look if you break up your life in time periods whatever seasons you want to make it like pre-married me five-year buckets 10-year buckets whatever you can you can make them all the same period or you can lengthen them out like you know as you get older or whatever 
you're already off autopilot. You're already optimizing more for net fulfillment. You're already going to get more out of this life, right? Yeah. And what you're going to find is, is that, you know, not every experience costs money, but, um, but the ones that do cost money and the ones that don't, what you're going to find is, is that there's going to be this natural bolt of these experiences and you're going to find your spend pattern. And if your aim is to die with zero, you're kind of going to, you know, roughly come to this, like, okay, I get it. Right. Like I get it. Like at a certain age, your net worth should peak and it should be going down. If you look at census, if you look at the data, people in their 75 have their net worth going up. And I always ask them, I always, I always kind of joke. You'll see me on Twitter commenting, you know, Ray Dalio, he likes to make money 72. And I said, yeah, he's saving up for that party at what age? When is, when does the party start for Ray? You know what I mean? Like for yeah. me at 52, the party is now. It's now until whatever my, you know, my health decline curve is, I would say like 63, 65, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And then the party, and then party go, keeps going, right? There, I'm not saying like, I don't want to be completely, there's people with other profiles that are going to be running marathons and discoing and partying. That's not going to be me. Yes. I'm talking about me, right? <laughs> I'm saying that, you know, it starts to die down. The music starts to slow down. They're not playing the, you know, the bangers and the EDM and the reggae and the hip hop. Yeah, 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 they're yeah, playing, yeah. they're playing, you know, New York, New York. It's almost time on my way out, right? In the slow jams, right? And right, right, as right, my life right. naturally slows down, as my temperament slows down, as as all the things, um, um, you know, limit my ability to convert my money into experiences that I enjoy. And I, I'll give you a like an example of not in a book, but when I I, I lived in Paris for three months for the summer. Um, and I used to backpack to language immersion class and then walk all around city. And, and part of that was to like, really get the feel of Paris, like know the streets, know the subways, know the local stuff, interact with the local students, yada, yada, yada. And I, I probably walk seven miles a day in Paris, just all around seven, eight miles a day. Now, if I did it, it's not that I can't walk seven miles a day, but it becomes unenjoyable right. because of my knees, right? And a degenerative back condition that I have. And so a trip to Paris is less of a trip to Paris for me. I have to spend more money to get the same fulfillment out of Paris because I can't do the things that really got me value out of Paris. Right. And then I'll give you another example of this is that I went to St. Petersburg, um, beautiful city. And one of the things they let you do is climb the steps of these church and walk around the dome. It's like 111 steps or 100, 211 steps. I can't remember exactly. And there was all these tour buses coming in, of all these seniors coming to St. Petersburg, right? Not a single one of them climbed those steps. So they had a different St. Petersburg than me. Now, I'm not saying they didn't enjoy it. I'm just saying that they got less of St. Petersburg than I did because we went to the same museums. And we saw the same tourist stuff. They went to the, you know, the Summer Palace, Winter Palace, you know, but they didn't get to do that. that. one thing. Yeah. That one thing, because either they couldn't or it would be unenjoyable, you know, traversing those steps. And perhaps, perhaps maybe for a city like St. Petersburg, taking that trip earlier might have been the better thing and shifting other activities that you can get full value out of as an older person might have been the better play. Now, if you're there, then you're there and you just got to take what you get. But I'm saying that wherever you are, kind of deliberately thinking about the experiences you want to have and what's the value proposition going to be is going to get you a more fulfilling life. Like I had 
me versus older me, I had a much more fulfilling Paris experience than me now. Like walking seven, eight miles a day of, of Paris with a backpack around and doing stuff is not as enjoyable. I'll only get four before I'm like, fuck this shit. <laughs> you know? And yeah, the same it, thing with same thing with St. Petersburg. It's like, hey Bill, you want to go around and climb all these things and do this thing? I'm like, nope, I'll see you at the I'll see you at the, at the tea house, you know, the yeah, Russian tea house, you know, that yeah, that's you, it. You, you said you you have a degenerative a back thing. I have MS. So right. for two people that have various issues, if you're at home is still having a hard time with this, you don't know what's going to potentially happen. It could be great or it could be not so great. When I was, you know, 33, uh, I never would have thought that I was going to be in a hospital being talked to about the possibility that I might end up in a wheelchair in just a few more months. Now, thankfully, I've been stable for many years now, and I've actually gotten a little bit better slowly over time. But you don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, whatever you're able to do, you know, even just outside of the, the financial aspect of this, if there's something you want to do and you have the means to do it, go ahead and do it because you might find that you can't do it later. And, right. you know, I, I think what's happening I, a lot. I want to I want to add to that. Like, you, you, you yeah, know, yeah, MS basically is a is a is a like robs you a little bit of your quality of life and the length of your life. Right. And and, and, and and what's going on. But it doesn't matter. Like you're still going to die and you're still going to decay. We all suffer from this disease called aging. Okay. Yes. All of us. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, this idea, like we are, humans are not wired to think about death. We're wired to survive, to endure, but we're not wired to think about death and to thrive. Right. And so I'm trying to give people the mental models on like how to thrive based on their values. And it's not, you know, we've been talking about spending all your money to your down, et cetera. It's an optimization book. Like there's truly people who are not saving properly because there are experiences they're going to enjoy in their 30s and 40s that should be delayed gratification, right? And so when you when you put you you know when you start thinking about your life in stages, you'll think about the things that okay, this is a delayed gratification thing. This is a bring gratification forward, right? This belongs in this season of my life. This belongs in this season of my life, right? So it's not all just spend. It's optimize yeah right yeah. it's optimized so that you die with zero regrets you're not like oh shit i should have uh read books to my daughters more i didn't know this time period was going to end or i should have went on this trip with my friend backpacking through europe instead of doing x y and z right and i'm not throwing those examples out those are just examples like everybody has different values different right, wants, right. different needs. It's just a mental model for you to optimize your own life. I think it's incredible, man. I, 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 I like uh, a lot of this. I was, I was forced to do with the M. So the interesting thing you mentioned, we all die We're, we we all have this, this a uh, hundred percent fatal disease called being alive. Um, <laughs> it wasn't the MS diagnosis that was the most brutal. It was when I sat down with doctors and talked about my MS treatment options, and they said, well, the goal of your MS treatment is to slow down, slow down the progression of your MS so that it's not much different than just the typical aging process. And that was supposed to make me feel better. And instead, that hit me like a ton of freaking bricks because it was like, holy crap, best case scenario, I'm still going to decline. Because I, yes. I even said to them, you know, you know, how, how much can we slow down the decline? Can we slow it down to nothing? And they went, well, you're already in your 30s. And I'm like, ah! Like that, <laughs> the, the, 
it, you know, it was like, yeah, you're already going to start to slowly meant, uh, physically decline. And then, you know, 30, 20, 30 years 33 later, is the average age. Like once you hit 33, that's physical peak. You're in plateau yeah. and decline at 33. Anybody who's older than 33, you're in decline. Uh, and mentally, it's 28. Right. Give or take. It right. Was, it, it, so it's 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 28 and, and, mentally and physically 33. One thing I want to note there is I'm in better shape now than I was then, not because I've reached a better physical peak, but because no. getting out of autopilot, it made me realize, take your health seriously, take your diet and exercise right. seriously, find out what you want to do with your life instead of just constantly trying to make money. And now I'm actually minus the, the MS, I'm healthier now than I was, what, seven years ago now, but it took getting out of autopilot. It's everything you're saying. Yeah. So, you know, in the book, the mental model is like, you know, the, I wrote this book, basically, given your wealth, your health and your time. And we're solving, we're optimizing for net fulfillment over our life. Okay. How do we play these three variables? Right. And so you, you're, you're looking at, you know, your health is the biggest variable, massive impact, and it has cascading effects. Yep. I'll give a simple example. If you're overweight, for every, I think it's a pound overweight, it's five pounds extra force on your knees and your cartilage, okay? A lot of people don't realize that knee replacement surgery is the fastest growing surgery in the United States of America because we're becoming more and more obese. But that, that once you, you know, can't walk or walking becomes painful, yeah. your whole ability to take this organic spacesuit that you're wearing, right, your body, to move around and explore the world around you, planet Earth, basically, right, starts to diminish in everything, every activity. And so yeah, yeah. these things, that is such a massive impact on your future enjoyment, right, and your net fulfillment that it, it's, it, you know, I originally wanted to build just a model, like a computer model. Right. Uh, and, you know, mo there's, first of all, there's not enough computing power in the world to handle all the variables I want. But I could, right, of I could, I could, I could strip it down and kind of show you the magnitude of these impacts. And one thing that had the massive impact is your health. Like it's, it's, it's wildly different uh, fulfillment score. Okay, if we're gonna, you know, have this theoretical fulfillment score, um, not you know with your health, just small changes in your health. So you really want to be, you know, this this big macro optimization. There's all these sub optimizations, right? People write books on how to make money and how to do this and how to save time and how to organize and how to stay healthy, right? You know, really, really think about um, optimizing that health bucket uh, completely. And this is so you're getting you're reversing the entire structure of everything and you can watch it like if you watch the news which typically like if you watch cable news which is typically watched by older an older demographic they've got all this stuff that's based on like you know your health and your you know your 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 livelihood and your well-being and it's because there are people that are having to having spent all this time on autopilot they're now having to cope with the very real fact that there's a decline happening that there's there's little to nothing they can do about and if instead they were optimizing it, they would already be settled into that phase and living their life in that phase in the optimal way of doing it instead of freaking out, trying to claw back a life that they're never going to get. It's incredible. Correct. Yeah, it, 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 you, you, the, the zero is zero regrets, right? Like you're not clawing back. Yeah. You're like, I had a fulfilling 35 to 39. I had a, my 40s were great. 
I got yeah. everything out of it. And I also left enough room for what, you know, what I call discovery because life is discovery. You don't know what you want. You kind of discover what you want, right? Like I didn't come out of the womb. Like I like chocolate ice cream. I hate onions. I really like Paris. I don't like, you know, uh, uh, Rio as much as everybody says, right? Like I had to go there and discover it. And then right. some of the things I discovered that I thought I would hate, I love. And I'm like, I want to do that in my sixties. Like I, I went on a train trip on the Orient Express and I was like, I hate wearing a suit. I don't want to go on a train with a bunch of strangers. You got to wear, you know, business in the dining car and formal in, in, in the, in the, in the evening thing. And I went on this train. I, I freaking loved it. You get to see uh, views and cut through towns that a plane doesn't get to see a car can't go through. It was very relaxing. And I was like, this is great. Um, and I, I've discovered this whole world of training that's out there. And then when I was going to plan a trip and we were going to go take a train uh, and then go up to Machu Picchu. And then we, we, I paused as I was doing my bucket, my, my time bucketing for each period of my life. And I'm like, why am I taking time to go training now? Right. When I could do training in my 60s, 70s and 80s, right. <laughs> I can sit on a train, read a book and enjoy that in my 60s, 70s, 80s. I can't hike Machu Picchu in my eighties. I can't, you know, I can't do X, Y, and Z. I can't go wakeboarding. I can't do all these other activities. So I realized like, I was inefficiently allocating my resources on the activities I was choosing with respect to training. And so yeah. if you're off autopilot and you realize you're going to die and there's certain experiences belong some well, you're making that decision. Right. And so for me, just that simple exercise, I've gotten, I'm going to get more fulfillment out of my life. Right. I'm not going to go shit. I should have went wakeboarding, you know, instead of training on that trip. Right. Like, you know, I'm going to be like, I did it right because it, it, it's 76. Like, I think my wakeboarding days are actually almost completely over. And wake surfing is in, but wakeboarding is out just because of the speed of the board and the injury you can have to your back. It's just not as enjoyable. Um, and so, you know, I did the wakeboarding thing and I'll do the training thing later. I've optimized. Right. Just that thought process. Right. That mental model yeah. has got you getting the mo more out of life. I love it. I love it. So you've got nine rules and let's just go through them. I, I now keep in mind for anyone saying, how can I know how to do this? Because you pretty much got me sold on it, but I already have the book so I can read it and find out. Uh, but for those who, who need to, uh, in fact, I'll put the link in the notes. It's diewithzerobook.com. Um, I'll put that in the comments so everyone can can go and get that. But let's walk through really briefly your your nine rules, and then we'll okay. do some. We got a couple different various questions. Oh, by the way, update on the poll um, between who is better looking. Uh, the clear runaway winner was Tasha. So welcome to my life, where <laughs> I, it's this is every anyway. Um, you know, I'll put up something really nice and thoughtful that I did. And people will go, hey, great job, Tasha Cohen's husband. And I'm like, sure, <laughs> all right, good. Anyway, um, so that's part of Die With Zero is recognize that you might end up marrying a woman who both doesn't age and becomes better and more graceful over time. So everyone naturally loves her more than you. And no one's going to yeah. like you over time, by contrast. And you have to cope yeah. with that. Your, your, your being liked yeah. by people will die slowly over time, too. Um, so uh, the nine rules that we have, I got them uh, here. So rule number one is maximize your positive life experiences. I, I think we're just going to go through each of these and, and kind of give us a, a brief synopsis of like what 
because okay. we talked about a lot of this, but like what that means exactly. So, you know, I, I'm like, what drives it, it fulfillment, right? And yeah. really broadly speaking, it's the experiences you have, right? What you choose to do, your first kiss, person you marry, the trip you took, the charity you helped, the project you worked on, you know, when you are at the end of your days on your deathbed, you'll look back on your life and you'll be like, did I have the most adventurous, fulfilling life possible? And right, that will be the right. situation your your positive life experiences and your choices. Some of them will be terrible at that time, but as time goes on, you'll be like, that was a great thing and, and, and a, a positive thing in itself. Like the dividends from bad experiences are sometimes even good. And so I'm like, hey, this book is about net fulfillment about getting the maximum you can out of your life and optimizing your life. So we're going to aim to have the most positive life experiences. Okay. So, uh, and I'm letting everyone know to get their questions in for Q and a, um, next, uh, number two, start investing in experiences early. Yes. So the, the idea of, you know, you, know, you, you hear it over there. Oh, if you were 20 and you saved $5, whatever, you're a millionaire at 70. Well, I'm like, fuck that shit. I don't want to be a millionaire at 70. <laughs> you know what I mean? Multimillionaire or whatever it is. Like, um, I want to invest experiences and live off those memory dividends. And I want to be interesting. And I want to have conversations about dinner, about the experiences I have and create new experiences and have that radioactive compound interest of the memory dividend, right? Because those experiences, broadly speaking, are what drive my fulfillment. So let's invest in them, right? When you're older, I think a lot of people, you know, every I think everybody has older relatives or, you know, at least are fortunate to have some older relatives. Um, when you meet with them, they want to talk about the old days or what happened. And I think even when you meet with your friends, a lot of the conversation of what's going on is about things that have happened or experiences they've had. Yeah. Yep. Right. And so, you know, in the extreme case, right, that home run you hit in high school, you've heard that story, like, oh, he tells this story all the time, right? Like <laughs> that, but that story, retelling that experience is fulfilling, fulfilling, and you get that fulfillment yeah. out of it. And so if we're talking about net fulfillment, net fulfillment comes from the experiences you have, invest in them early and get the memory dividend slash fulfillment dividend to make your life as rich as possible. Which brings us to this next one, aim to die with zero, which means money, but also like you said, zero regrets as well. Yeah, um, that, you know, there's this, I came to this on my own, but there's two economists, it's called a full life cycle hypothesis, I hope I'm saying it right, about like the rational person trying to get the most out of their life would die with zero money, right? And so fact of the matter is humans aren't rational, right? We have fears, irrational fears, some rational fears, and we don't, we don't recognize and think viscerally about we're going to die and our, our and our our decay and so this is just an axiom right like we do not go to work we do not waste hours of our life for zero reward and the reward is not money money is an abstract in order for you to get the experiences you want to have the dentist working on your teeth the plane ticket the trip saint jude's charity you know charity donation to yeah. the libertarian party, whatever it is, there's a trillion of them, right? Whatever fits your value system, that's why you went to work. That's why you spent hours giving up hours of your life, right? Of all the other things you can be doing in those hours, in exchange for this, this capital or money, right? 
so that you can have all these other experiences. And so do not die with chips left on the table, right? Do not waste your life working for no reward, right? That is suboptimal. And that's and as a high stakes poker player, you know all about yes. not leaving chips on the yes. table. Uh, so uh, use and then number four, use all available planning tools. Yeah. So, um, you know, spreadsheets, charts, knowing you when you're going to die. Right. The most important thing is is having a good estimate of when you're going to die. Your medical history, your decline, charting these things out. Use your planning tools to be like, okay. What do I need to survive? The first experience I'm solving for. Right, right. Everybody's worried about retirement, right? But they think in terms of retirement, twofold, survival and fun, right? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Just solve for survival, then optimize your life for fun. Yes, there will be fun in your 60s, 70s, and 80s, 90s, people that make it to 120, right? But be realistic about what experiences you want to have in those time buckets, right? And use those tools to get there. Uh, don't live life on autopilot. We kind of nailed that one down, but I guess you can yeah. give a, a quick Yeah, we went over that. that. Like, yeah. like you, yeah. most of us are walking through, like, we're going to live forever. Our 20s are going to be forever. We're going to be single forever. Our kids are going to be five and six and want to hang out with us forever. They're not going to turn yeah. into teenagers and be like, get the hell out of here. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to have this same career. I'm going to be first time business. Like, those periods of your life come and go. And however you want to d- divide up the seasons of your life, depending on what your life plan is or what you anticipate to be them and and realize you're constantly updating this this isn't like i do this once it's static it's done and i'm i go live my life right this is a constantly continuously updating model right in order to optimize it's like when you're on a plane and they're coming in for landing right there's there's four lights that are there and and they they all they will go from you want white white red red Right. And they're, they're basically glide path to come into the landing. Right. Yeah. And so the pilot is constantly adjusting the plane to come on glide path. Right. To stick that landing. So just like getting off autopilot so that you can have the most fulfilling life and stick the landing. You know in what that, I mean? And that glide down. Yeah. 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 yeah glide down. Now, I, don't, I don't want to glide down like you're on autopilot. You have to constantly be adjusting and thinking about right. this, about what do I want now? What have I discovered? What has changed? Right. I discovered training. Shit. I'm going to do training now. I'm going to do this, right? For my, for my example, right? Oh, I have, I've gotten healthier. I've gotten not healthier. I discovered I want to go to Italy. I want to travel here or my kid's graduation. I want to go to my daughter. You're like, life is constantly th- changing the variables, but you need to have a nice macro mental model, right? Of what you want and when. And if you're on autopilot, like, oh, I'm just going to work. I make the money and Tuesday I go out, the thing, whatever. You're not really getting what you want. You're just getting the habits that you formed. Which that kind of also answers, think of your life as distinct seasons and know when to stop growing your wealth. Uh, yeah. Take your biggest risks when you have little to lose. I can take that to mean a bunch of different, tell me, what does that mean to you? And then we'll start I, I, I think questions. people, you know, um, people come to me for advice a, a lot of times. And, and I think there is this miscalculation on how much risk they have doing X or whatever adventure it is. And so when you're, when you're younger or you have, you have little to lose, like I, I make the example of like when I went out to, you know, work on the exchange or if I lost that job or if I was a trader, I could always go make money as a waiter more than I was making then. Right. Like I didn't really have that much 
I didn't have that much risk, financial risk, right? Like, and and for a lot of people, um, uh, they miscalculate the downside and they underestimate the upside. And um, getting off autopilot will help you think about that. And I, I think one of the things they're not saying is that they actually fear the reactions of others if they fail, not really the money or the position. Okay. Right. You know, I I I I don't want to go too deep into that right now because we're yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. it. But, but you know, most of the time, I've never ever sweated losing money or being busted, and I've gone bust after making a bunch of money, and I've gone bust and then came back or whatever. What I did slightly sweat was the perception of others. And I, I caught myself because I, I pride myself on uh, I don't give a fuck, right? Like I got a healthy dose of that from my dad and and, yeah. and being African-American and having people think things about you that weren't true or stereotyping. So you, I think yeah, you yeah. naturally have this, I don't give a fuck, right? Uh, but right. it turned out to be not true in a, in a case of failure. Like, oh, what are they going to think? Or what are they going to say? Like a little bit, right? And so I realized like, wow, I'm not really sweating the risk reward here. I'm not even sweating the money. I'm sweating what is my aunt or my cousins think or my friends or my peer group or whoever, like, oh, they're all gonna, you know what I mean? Like he was high flyer and now he's working at McDonald's or whatever position I would have had to take, right? Yeah. That type of thing. Yeah. It's, you're just, it, this book could have just been as easily called Stop Being Afraid of Everything. Like that, that's, <laughs> that's like, it really is like you're battling so many different fears. The fear of that concept of, of, of I, I tell you, one of my biggest fears even now uh, would be the concept of like, you know, having less money next year than this year. Ah, like, you know, and, and maybe that's not my optimal curve yet or whatever. But but even I would think 20 years from now, I'd still be scared of that. But all yeah. of these things are, are based on a fear of something a fear of but wait that means i'm gonna die yes you're gonna die you need to make peace with that wait but that means i'd have less money who cares you're not gonna have the money and you could use it for the things that you're saying you're gonna want it to use in the right. future when it's gonna be worth less thanks to inflation like all these different things it's like yes go ahead and have the fear and then go ahead and do it anyway because it's going to be a more fulfilling life if you do it that way yeah i think you know you want to transfer your fear to like not having the most fulfilling life to not you know, from not running out of money too soon, right? Yeah. You got to, you got to, you got to be more worried about wasting your life than wasting your money. Right. Yeah. Or, or running out of money. Um, yep. or, or having your net worth go down. And, and like, I, I am hyper concerned about my net worth bumping in ways that it shouldn't like, I'm like, did I give enough to charity this year? Did I not spend, I'm, you know, I, I check in yeah. with my, uh, with, how much did I spend on travel? And so I know in, in just like, if I haven't spent X percent of my earnings on travel, I'm living suboptimally. So I start calling up people like, what should I be doing? Where should I be going? Whatever, like I, I get off autopilot. Like if I haven't given X per quarter per charity, I'm, you know, according to my values, then I'm living suboptimally. You know what I mean? And, you know, and I, I break it down. Like how much has been flights? How much has been, you know, hotels? How much has been parties, whatever. And like, if it's low, according to my back, then I'm off. I'm off. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm off. Yeah. I'm like, wait, I'm fucking wasting this year. Like I get scared. Yeah. Like I'm going to be pissed that, you know, in the future that I didn't do X, Y, and Z that I could have done. Like, what are the things I haven't done? Do I need to do something potluck, spin the globe, you know, that type of thing. 
And so, yeah. you know, fear is, is great because it, you know, we're wired to survive. We're wired not to thrive, right? Everyone is wired to survive and endure, right? We will endure human beings. The beautiful thing about us, we will endure a whole bunch of bullshit and we will survive, right? We will, we will do everything to survive, but we don't take that next step in evolution, right? Given our prefrontal cortex and all this other stuff we have to thrive, right? To get the maximum fulfillment. And so you got to get off autopilot because your, your natural default mode is survive, be safe, have stacks of money to make sure I'm even safer from all these yeah. things. And I'm like, get an insurance policy, dude. If you're worried about running about money, buy an annuity. If you're worried about long-term care, get long-term care insurance. You know what I mean? Like you, they're going to do it. Even if they have 10, 15% margins, they're going to be more efficient than you trying to be Sitting an insurance agent for yourself, right? Where you're hoarding money yeah. and giving up life in exchange for like, wow, I'm going to live a, a, a three more days in a bed stinky in a hospital. I'm like, no. Nah. Yeah. I, yeah, this is all just like face your fear with all this stuff. So, all right, let's go into the uh, Q and A because we could literally, you could just say another thing and then my mind's blown again. And then you say another thing and then my mind's blown again. Uh, but I, I, first question here, it was actually early on was from and unfortunately folks i appreciate all your questions uh we're not going to be able to do every single one of them but i'll try to get to as many of them as possible uh where was it um nick uh, see i should have written these down nick gonzalez had asked early on where does factoring in debt work into this because obviously there's a presumption that they're you've got this lump sum of money that you're figuring out. You have an income and a lump sum of money that you're figuring out how to spend optimally. But for those who are in a situation where they are, you know, having to have a certain amount of consumer debt to live their life, how, how does debt work its way into this when you're factoring in your, your, okay. your optimal living? Okay. So I'll, I'll go first. Um, smart debt, um, and I don't mean like credit card debt, 20%, but it, it sometimes it can be rational, is a rational thing, right? Like you're basically borrowing from your future richer self if you have that trajectory, right? Yeah. To give to your younger, poorer self, right? So that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Like my club glow, if I borrowed $500 at, I don't know, 15% interest to go to a couple of clubs in my 20s, that would have been rational based on my career path, right? Because I can't go back and go to the club and have those experiences. And I don't want to go to the club now. I'm just an old guy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, right, as my mom right, used to right. say, you don't want to be the oldest guy in the club. You know, like, you just don't, that's what my mother used to say. So I'm, I'm just going with it. So, you know, <laughs> if you're optimizing your life, right, you're always net present valuing things, right? And it's like, okay, I can take money from my future self and bring it to my current self at this interest rate, right? And have this experience that I wouldn't otherwise have, right? right. Now, most people have a problem. They, they overdo it. So they have, they borrow a debt, they have these other experiences that maybe aren't even fulfilling, but they destroy future fulfillment, right? Because they're under this debt burden. And so debt is a tool to be used. 
And then I'll go with the second thing, which is kind of like, I would say not immoral, but not right. I, I don't know what it is, but in a value system, you know, somebody points out, well, I want to die in debt. And I said, technically, that's a more optimal solution is to die actually in debt. Like, I don't understand why a person with 86, 90, you know, your last month to die, like when you run up all your credit card bills, but you really can't because you can't do anything. Right. But right. Th that would be a burden on society. And I, I would say that's a kind of immoral thing to do is like you're essentially stealing, like you're taking money that you have no intention of repaying back. But, uh, you know, if you don't care if you're like the Joker or the Riddler or whatever, like it is actually, you know, you some people might say, hey, the credit card companies are willing to take that risk. They they charge the interest rate for it. I'm going to do that. You know, the, se and the that sequel to this book, <laughs> Die with Negative 10 Million. Yeah, <laughs> dive at negative fifty thousand or whatever you know. Twelve credit cards. <laughs> yeah, you know, like it's like, it's you like know, the, the evil version of this book. Die with the banks. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're just transaction, like it's their risk. They shouldn't have gave you the credit card. But anyway, I. I but let's go back to the first scenario where we're not like crossing into like, is that moral? Is that acceptable? Yeah, I guess yeah, you do yeah, a podcast yeah, yeah. on that. Is that using debt? Uh, which is for income smoothing, right? Like it makes sense, right? At reasonable thought through levels. Right, right. Right, if you're, let's just take an example. You work for the, I don't know, the city of so-and-so and they have the union cut a great deal, right? Which they often do. And you have these guaranteed pay raises and you, you can't, you really can't get fired and you have this career tra trajectory. And you have this experience to Disney World with your family and your kids and they're five and you can't do it, right? But you can borrow it. I don't know. Let's call it a high interest rate today. 6%, you know, from 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 a home equity loan to get it out or whatever, five, you know. Yeah, yeah. That may make sense, right? Because you're now borrowing from your future richer sales to have an experience in this time period with your kids and family, right? That ends. You can't get it. Right. And you're taking that out. And so, you know, you have to think these three through and I'm not advocating people just go into all kinds of debt to have experiences now. But right. I'm just saying right. is debt is a tool most in the United States of America. It's we have a problem the other way in Japan, where people which surprisingly people in Japan love this book. Um, they don't have that problem, right? They have a saving, they have the most, they have the massive savings problem, right? So this book hit them like yeah. a ton of bricks, right? Yeah. Like nobody ever fulfills their life. They give money to their kids and then they save money and then they give to their kids, but they never spend the money and they give it to their kids. And I'm like, whoever gets to really live their life and fulfill it, right? Right. That's okay. So yeah, so it's obviously, I mean, a lot of these questions are gonna be answered with, you know, your results may vary. It's based on your life, but in yeah. general, such and such. Um, I believe in using debt as a tool, but be very careful. Yeah. Uh, okay. Although I do like the idea of making an evil version of this book. Die, yeah, die, with die yeah. being a, uh, a a tax write-off from as many banks as possible. Um, Correct. Uh, I like it. Um, this was, uh, oh no, here's the problem. We had a bunch of question marks, but it was all people saying, why can't I vote for Tasha? I, this is... <laughs> um, 
This is great. Uh -huh. So, by the way, side note here, um, uh, there's another book. I can make a book, Die With Your Wife, still looking like she did when you met her in 2007. Um, yeah. This this is the problem. I used to look like her, too. Like, I used to also be an attractive person, and now I'm 39. Yeah, yeah long hair and dark skin. Like, what? <laughs> you used to look like her? No. <laughs> Joking, okay, just joking. I, I look like the Ashkenazi Jewish male version of her, if you can gotcha. actually. I this this analogy is falling apart. I was also good looking. And then what's happened is, you know, she is a, an incredibly attractive black woman who just keeps getting younger somehow. And I am an Ashkenazi Jew, and we are known for being smart and we're known for, you know, great uh, finances and being, you know, all that and aging like milk. And so it's just been one of these things. Anyway, uh, so uh, it's, it's I call it the optimal hot spouse curve. Um, she, <laughs> I nailed it. She, I, I feel terrible for her. Um, yeah. So uh, let's see here. Someone asked a question. I, I want to try to figure out who it was so I can. Oh, Joe Hanush said, um, you know, what would your general advice be for someone if they, if, if a friend or if someone came up to you and I, I have a feeling, I know how you're going to answer this, but someone comes up to you and says, Bill, I just, you know, uh, inherited a hundred thousand dollars or I just won a, you know, million dollar lottery. What would be some of the first things you would say to them? Yeah, I, I, I would, you know, the first thing I always tell people is you got to know what experiences you want and, right. and model everything, you know, like we got to model your retirement, your survival. Right. That's the first experience everybody wants to have. And then we got a model kind of like, what do you really want? Right. Like, I think when I first became rich, I was on autopilot, even as a rich guy, because I had this idea what rich people do. So I just did that. It wasn't really what I wanted. Right. Like yep. getting off autopilot is a exercise like people meditate to do it, et cetera. So, you know, I had habits that pre-programmed into me when I made money that really weren't me, you know, I had to get off autopilot. I'm like, I really don't give a shit about cars. Why do I have these fancy cars? You know what I mean? Like I'm not a car guy. You know what I mean? Like right, I'm real, right. I really don't like this and I really don't like that, but I do like this and, and I do like that. And that, that took um, some, some thinking after making some basically foolish decisions that weren't fulfilling me, you know, uh, not that it was foolish money wise. It was just, by putting my energy into that thing, I wasn't really doing the thing that would fulfill me, right? I wasn't really thinking about, wow, I really would have loved to make this trip or go this place and do a leisure learning immersive class, et cetera. Instead, you know, I bought the McLaren or the whatever. And so as even at $100,000, I would think like, okay, let's model it out what experiences you want to have. It all comes from what do you want out of your life or your value systems, you know, your values and what experiences you want to have. The hundred thousand dollars opens up some things that you can do, but you got to get off fucking autopilot, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, so even Jersey that's City. a part of, even yeah. even that's a part of fear of like, well, uh, I need to be doing what I need to be keeping up with the other rich people. Um, and that was I remember like as I started making money, and I'm like, oh, what are other wealthy people doing? And then and then it was after I got married and started doing more. It was more based on what did my wife want to do, and uh, and I and I realized often I'm like. I don't really care what they're doing. Like that doesn't, that's yeah. not, a th I actually do like cars, but like, you know, having these gigantic houses that you can, you know, yell and hear the echo, like why? Like, what's the purpose? Like for me, that wasn't a big deal. So I, I, I get what you're saying there. I, I get it. Um, let's see, here is the, oh, uh, Joe Hanoush says, did you just yada, yada, yada through living seven, three months in Paris? 
<laughs> yeah, I did, yeah, I did yada yada yada. Yeah, like, you know, I, in Paris for a summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, people, people do it better than I did. You know, I I, I got to Paris. I should have went backpacking as a kid. Uh, not a kid, but you know, in my early twenties, uh, and did the youth hostel thing because I, I think it would have had a richer experience. And my older, more foofier self, I didn't really connect with Paris as much as they did. And and my 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 connection uh you know everywhere i go everywhere i go i tell people this is like oh it's easy for you you're 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 rich and i'm like that's horseshit everywhere i go i find somebody doing it for one one thousandth the price right right hustling doing it backpackers gap your students everybody you know they're they're seeing the same view i see whatever yeah i sleep in some expensive hotel or whatever because i'm a pansy now right i'm not this robust (laughs) guy that i used to be but they're in many ways having a richer experience than i have you know one of the things i i have i try to um to um offset is that comfort and wealth isolate you right you 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 maybe you fly private maybe you're first class maybe this gets handled for you you don't go to the grocery store you have an assistant or whatever like you get isolated you stay in the fancy hotel where there's unlimited rooms you know you're not you don't take the bus right so so for me if you don't like those things that's great you're 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 having the best most fulfilling life as possible but for me i like people i like culture i like interacting i like random interactions i like this stuff and so I have to consciously make sure that I spend my money and allocate it in yeah. a way so I have these fulfilling experiences. Um, so, you know, I, I had a, I sponsored a thing. I had this like TV show. It's called the coin flip trip and two guys, they would travel the world and they flip a coin. And if they flip low, they had to live on like 25 or 50 bucks that day. The two of them. And if it's high, it was 500 or whatever, right? Yeah, and yeah, the purpose yeah. of the show, and then they would, you know, they'd be, they'd be in, like, they had a couple of low flips. Like, they were in the most expensive city. They were in, like, I don't know, Stad or someplace, and they were around, and they were in Chile. And they flipped high, and they flipped low, and they came back, and they were, like, the best experiences we had, and the richer experiences was flipping low. And part of the point of it was to tell, you know, I get this feedback, like, oh, easy for you to do. You're a rich guy. I'm like, bullshit. I, I, I sent guys out into the world. And they went like nine places and they they did it. And I've gone to like places in Australia and the whole world is like gap yearing, working at McDonald's and saving up and then backpacking through China and then going here and Bali. And I can tell you their pictures, their memories, their stories, they're better than mine. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, obviously, having wealth gives you flexibility and all of that. stuff. So yes. we're not saying that that. But. I will say some of the best experiences I've had is going to some salsa club. One of the best things I did this year was going with my wife and some friends after, you know, a day of, of you know, really fulfilling campaign or well, not campaign, but like political activism rallying uh, uh, for, for Cuba and then going to a salsa club that had free entry and I'm drinking water like I'm paying, you know, three bucks a pop drinking water. I probably spent of i don't know between me and my wife maybe 30 bucks that that day that night mostly on soda and overpriced soda and water and that was probably the most fun that i had the second most fun i had was the following day on labor day where i went out to the beach and laid in the in the water until i was purple sunburnt 
and that cost me zero dollars. Well, I had to get some aloe when I got home. But I mean, like, li like these are things that literally two days worth of, e including the meals that I bought, maybe spending 150 bucks between me and my wife that those two days, two of the best days I've ever had in my life. So it's it's not just a money thing. That's definitely yeah. I, I agree with that, and and I I, I don't want to say that like you know, if you have more money, you have more choices, flexibility, options. And therefore of I course. believe more, you have the tool to have more fulfillment, but that tool is useless. If you're on autopilot, useless, yep. completely useless. Like I, I I'm going to use just the public persona of Warren Buffett, not like actual. Cause his life is, is like, you could not pay me anything to have his life. Like it, it, it it's like, He's a billionaire at whatever. You ever see him walk? And it's like, what the fuck is he? You know what I mean? Like, this is He's this is like the most under-optimized life publicly, right? I don't know shit about Warren. I, you know, apologize to Warren right now. But the public persona of like, you know, I'm going to eat Dairy Queen every day. I'm going to live in the same old house or whatever. I was like, you have too much money. Right. Like, you fucking, you know, like, I hope you absolutely love looking at charts and businesses like you had orgasms doing he it must. because yeah, he it, it, seemed, he, he, it seemed like the most wasted, miserable life ever. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, so, so, and that's just public. I'm not, you know, your life is probably yeah, rocking, yeah. rolling, fulfilling, and you're getting the most fulfillment out of it. But like, for me, I, I would like want to commit suicide. Like I literally want to commit suicide. Like I would be very disappointed with life. Maybe that's what he like. Maybe he is, you know, this is like- No, I maybe he does. And that's why I can, you can't judge. Like when people say, right. oh, it, are they doing it wrong? I'm like, listen, if you're off autopilot and you really thought about it, you're not yeah. lying to yourself, right? Because you can lie to me, but don't lie to yourself. Yeah. Then yeah. your values are your values and your curve is your curve and you did it. I'm just giving you the yeah. tools to build your own curve and, and get the most out of life, you know, yeah. according to your values. So most of these other questions are things like, what would be your specific financial advice on doing this or that? And I'm pretty sure your answer on these things is going to be, I'd have to know way more about your specifics exactly. to tell you like where you should invest. Because one was like, you know, what would be the best investment for the next four years with a plan and all of this stuff? So I'm thinking probably best you know, that, that I, I don't want, you're not, first of all, you're not giving them, you're not going to give them yeah. uh, uh, financial advice, uh, like at that micro level, obviously. But I do think that they should buy the book. I, I'm going to answer for you on these. They, you should buy the book and these will, this will give you the tools that uh, will help you to determine these things for yourself. And this book is like, uh, one question is, is this on Audible? Yes, or, it's on Audible. It's okay. on Audible. Yeah. And this book's audio like version. If you like my voice, I don't like my own voice. But if you like hearing me talk, it's me. I, I'm on Audible. Uh, somebody just told me, yeah, I played you. I said, oh, you got to hear my voice. And I, said, well, I paid it at 2.5 times. I said, so I sounded like this. You know what I mean? Like, I sound like Minnie Mouse or something like that. But they got the book, right? They got they got the message. And you so know, if you I, guys... I... Go ahead. I was going to say, like, I wrote this book to save lives, primarily my own life. Right. Because I am on autopilot just as much as the next person. And I needed to get this out of my head into a model for me to check in. Right. That whole how much did I spend on travel? How much did I spend on travel? That's me getting off autopilot, like having metrics for me to check in with and save my own life. And so, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, yeah, you're saying you're saving lives. Like they kind of like. Uh, but when when you when you save somebody's life who's drowning, you save their life. They're still going to die. This is not going to die right then. 
You're just yeah, giving yeah. them some time back to have the experiences they want to have throughout their life, right? I wrote this book to give you time back to have the experiences in the film fulfillment of life. Just like when you go to save that person who's drowning, you're like, okay, you're not going to die today. It's going to be later, but you're giving them that time back, right? right. So this book is a lifesaver. I like it. And if you, for some reason, if you don't like his voice, but you do want it read to you, you buy, you get the, uh, you can buy the book um, and then give me $50 and I'll read it to you. I'll read, I will read this book to you. Um, that's just watch, a cheap rate. I'm going to get like top. 10 people that want me to. Yeah, that's a cheap rate. I mean, you're below minimum wage right there reading the book. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I know. I always undervalue myself. You know, but you I'd know. actually, I, I'd get a kick out of it saying that I just read the book. To so, and if enough of you do it, I can do it on a Zoom call and then I'll make like, you know, I'll be maximizing my income. Uh, so I did get one uh, question that I assume is a poker question. Should I go all in on pocket deuces preflop? <laughs> Only if you're a maniac and like want to light some money on fire like me, you know? You okay. have a chance of getting it through, but let, yeah, only if you're a maniac. Okay. So yes, if the if that's if that's part of your optimal Your goal is to light some money on yeah. fire, let's go. You know? Okay. All right, cool, cool, cool. I I actually want to ask you this, and someone had mentioned it uh and then and and then we're going to get your final thoughts on stuff, but I I wanted to ask you looking at these lockdowns the idea of, you know, we're going to shut everything down to potentially save lives. Everything that I'm hearing from you about optimizing your life, optimizing your experience, in addition to just the, the, the brutal authoritarianism of that policy initially, that also just completely went against everything you believe in terms of optimizing. I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. But was that as difficult for you to process as it seems like it would be based on what you're you're preaching when when it comes to this stuff? I think as the uh, you know when when you had this uh, either environmentally or lab engineered virus coming out, right? And so, uh, you know, if you have this biological weapon coming out and you don't really know that much about it, I felt like, okay, this might be prudent, right? At a certain level, like, Initially. you know, it's an, it's an optimization program. Like if I'm gonna die in the next year, but if I do this thing, this mitigation measure, I get 20 years, right? It makes sense, right? Um, and and honestly, the, it, it affected my behavior in the beginning. This is going to be a little bit of a long answer because I got really fat during lockdown. Um, uh, and part of it was is I did this calculation, you know, based on the stats that were coming out of Italy. And I'm like, okay, we're going to get this, like this lockdown thing or whatever. But you're eventually yeah. going to get it over the next three years, and um, there's a five percent chance to ten percent chance I'm going to die, right? So I was like, wow, there's, you know, there's like a one in 20 chance that I'm going to die in the next three years. There is no long-term. So the idea of like delaying gratification and not eating this food and getting fat because I, I you know, I, I want to have a nice long life, healthy life. It went out the window and I was eating like a prisoner on death row. Right. I was like, <laughs> like, I was like death row is three years. Okay. I'm gonna die. Yeah, Between yeah. now and then, you know, just probabilistically thinking. Yeah. And as the information came out, uh, it was like, this is ludicrous. Right. Like this is this lockdown is uh, is is ludicrous. There's the other side of the equation and the damages that lockdown lockdowns do, yada, 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 et cetera. So we went from a straight like one experts like we're optimizing to minimize infections. Right. 
versus not total deaths or total harm, right? Or total life loss, right? And people yes. lost their lives. The one good thing, uh, not the one good thing, but a benefit was that a lot of people woke up. They got forced off autopilot. Their mortality was confronted. What did they want out of life? You know, it's like, you don't know what you're missing until it's gone. Like, don't you, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, you, yeah. don't you love her as she's walking out the door? And so their freedom went out the door. A whole year went out the door. You know, all these things were walking out the door. Like, but, but wait, I want to take this trip. Oh, shit, I should have taken this trip. I should have done this. Whatever. Tomorrow's not promised. And it kind of shook some people off autopilot. And they, you know, they started quitting their jobs, especially in the older bracket. Right. The, the, yeah. they, they said, fuck this shit. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they started switching jobs and choosing careers that they wanted. They started to get off autopilot. And so that happened with me as, as much as it happened with everybody else. Uh, and, you know, I paid attention to that and I was, I was redoubled my efforts to get my time bucketing back. And so, yeah, now the mandates lockdowns are completely ludicrous uh, at the way I see it, looking at all the, all, all the evidence and, and, and authoritarian and, and just kind of like, you know, has this like government do something effect uh, in yes. it. That we must, uh, the government has to do something about it, even if they can't and it, everything they do is worse. But yeah. And, 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 you know, the evidence coming back like, OK, well, we get the jab and we do a lockdown. And it's kind of like it doesn't work. Right. Yep. Um, yep. Um, human behavior trumps everything. And and, yep. you know, it's it, it, it's you got to start looking at the totality of the consequences of these things. Right. Uh, and, and, and also the long term kind of like precedence they set, uh, you know, on specious reasoning to to have these lockdowns and these authorities and, and mandates that are not really afforded uh, governments to do that. And, you know. It, it's it's kind of ludicrous in a way, and I'm I'm, I'm not like an anti-vaxer. Like I'm I'm I, I have the vaccine. I'm in the old guy club, right? And I'm like, it makes sense for me to get vaccinated, right? Like, yeah. you know, if you're 17 or 18, might not make sense, right? Might not make yeah. sense for you, right? Like, it's a, but for my risk reward bucket, I'm like, now nah, if we can eliminate, if we can reduce the odds of me dying by you know <laughs> by 90, percent I'll take that, right? Yeah, yeah. So and I. I'm not a uh, I'm not an anti-vaxxer either. The the deciding factor for me was when I met with my medical team and two out of three of them said, you have an autoimmune disease. This vaccine is new. You've been able to travel the country and not get COVID. Uh, why? 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 Like, why would right. you know you you should be OK? Whatever's working seems to be working for you. Um, but otherwise, I mean, if I had gone to them and all of them had said, yeah, it's probably a good idea for you to do this. I, there's a good chance I probably would have yeah, done it. So I mean, it's not about being anti-vaccine. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, you know, I have a very nuanced position on it. And I, I think like what's lost in the Twitterverse or whatever, or the extremists on, on the sides is, they, the, yeah. you know, this nuance that's there. Like, you know, uh, I, I have not seen anything where the vaccine or the virus itself or et cetera, is at some sort of risk where I'm violating the no harm principle of somebody or something like that. Like, it, I just think it's it's ludicrous, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yes. You're like, you're, you're like this. You're like, what? No, I, you know? because I hear it all day long. I hear it. Well, as a libertarian, don't you believe you're violating people's rights by going outside and breathing? It's yeah, no, definitely. Um, so yeah, no, uh, well, I, 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 I always tell people like life is risk. Like 
you you, yes. you drive on the highway and you know uh people text and drive and we don't put cameras in them we don't put cameras in everybody's single house to catch thieves or or rapists or whatever like freedom is not just paid for by soldiers fighting wars freedom is paid for the risk we're all willing to accept to live in a free society um and you know it's not like we tackle people down and give them flu shots you know sixty-five thousand yeah. or whatever more we don't even track accurately how many people die of the flu or other kinds of disease we don't we don't round up you know it's we do a lot of things and we accept yeah. a lot of risks and a, lo a lot of chance of death in, in order to live live free and 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 have people make their own personal risk reward decisions that you know well you let this guy drive and he's texting and driving. Did he violate the nine harm privilege? Probabilistically, you know, like there's all things you go to a bar, everything. So anyway, I, I think we're more aligned than not on, on this issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was just curious from, from your perspective of like optimizing life. I, I, I agree, you know, early on, it was like, I, I quarantined voluntarily for about a, a month. Um, and, and canceled some events I was doing last year um, because A, I had gotten really sick and thought maybe it was COVID and they didn't have the testing at the time. This was like last February. And B, yeah, you know, let's play, ride this out and see what it is. But the whole time I was against the lockdowns, but I was personally, I was in a position where I could afford to uh, to mostly lock myself down, which meant I didn't go to the grocery stores often. I was still going to the beach. Like it didn't really affect right. my life. And then once I realized this thing has like a 1% fatality rate and and that's most of it, almost all of it is, is centered in people that are right. 65 and older and or obese and have other comorbidities. Yes. comorbidities. Yeah. Once the data started coming come out, you're like, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not, this is ludicrous, right? Like I got, exactly. I had the natural wire to survive instinct. Yes. This is everyone else, right? Like lockdown, I'm in the beach, stay away from me. What, you know, I don't know, right? And then <laughs> yes. as, as, as the information came out, you know, I went for, back into what is how do i optimize my life how, how do i how do i thrive you know how, do I how does everybody life? thrive and so I, I you know everybody had an experience of utter fear and then like okay this is bullshit like you know some people two years of lockdowns or whatever that's that's like 10 15 20 percent of their life yeah yeah, you know I mean? fifty like, percent. For some people, it's like sixty percent of their life, and some of them may not even know it yet. It's it's yeah, and, one one good thing about Omicron is I've noticed a palpable change between Omicron and Delta. Delta had people freaking out like it's not going to end the pandemic. We have to do something. Everyone get back. And I've noticed more and more people with Omicron who were like, "Listen, I'm not locking down again. I'm going to go see my family." There's still people that are panicking, but I think with each new variant, with each new uh, uh, pack each new wave as more and more people realize this is an endemic thing that's not going away and it's actually seems to be getting slowly more mild over time and the people who the, the vast majority of the people who are the most at risk uh, uh of getting sick are already vaccinated or are making the decision not to be i think more and more people with each new wave are like okay yeah we got to go back to living our life we can't this was not temporary it's not helping it's not doing anything let's live our life that's at least what i'm hoping is going to happen yeah I, you know, I, my, my view is, is that there's a level of acceptance that this is an endemic thing. This is with us yep. forever. And yep. so it's just the world we live in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yep. if I lived in a place where there's a bunch of alligators, you go jogging, like there's a chance an alligator is going to get you <laughs> talking to Florida guy. And so like, and so like, this is, <laughs> this is something that we, we, we have, we, I think 
everybody's starting to accept and not freak out about and be like, okay, you know, we want to make sure it's not like spiking our probability of dying by a hundred X, which is not, right. it actually seems no. to, so far it seems to be mild and people are like, okay, this is, you know, it's worse odds of death than the flu, but it's like, we have to live with this and we're, yeah. we're going on with our life, right? Like you, yeah. you gotta, you have to adapt to the environment you're in. And unfortunately this is the environment we're in and we're not going to give up our, our whole damn lives uh, or, 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 or this period of our life that's going to die because I'm afraid of this, this particular risk bucket, you know? And unfortunately I might get got, somebody else might get got. Some of us are going to get got as they say in the hood <laughs> from, from, from this, but it, it, it's part of living. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's part of living. The old, it's the old jogging gators. I, I'm going to use that from now on. But I'm yeah, going yeah, to use that. Aren't, Watch out for the gators. I'm going to use it in like things that aren't even relevant. Like I'll just and I'll be like, listen, <laughs> if you're jogging and there's gators out there, but everyone knows there's gators, you're going to stop jogging, and they're going to be like, what the hell? Why did you come on our show? <laughs> anyway, so no, I, I no, I like it. So. uh I, I listen. We're we're going into hour two. I greatly appreciate your time. I cannot wait to to delve even further into this book. And I know we have a ton of people here that are going to be doing that. Before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to give your final thoughts. Anything that you feel like we didn't get a chance to touch on. If you want to promote, you know, all, all this, all the various stuff about this book. Anything you want to talk about for however long you want to talk. Bill Perkins, yeah. the floor is yours. Um. First, I want to thank people for listening to me blather uh, and talk about these uh, things. But um, I think the main thing is, is that remember, this book is about optimizing your life, not lighting your money on fire, uh, not 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 building wealth, but optimizing your life. So you get the absolute most adventurous, fulfilling wild ride that you want at the level you want based on your values. It's not about me, you should do this or visit grandma or give to this charity or whatever. It's given what you want, how do I get the most out of life, right? That's all it is. And it's not a bunch of complicated math. Most of it is mental models on how to do it. And then you go do the work. Um, and the main thing I will say, no matter what, get the fuck off autopilot. That is the number one step to having a more fulfilling life, right? A lot of us, have done something that we do well for 10, 5, 15 years. And we forget that there was a reason we did it. And it wasn't just to be doing that thing, right? The goal becomes the job, not the goal at the end to have the experience, right? Like we have this right. kind of like uh, thing. And so the first step is always get off autopilot, get off autopilot, get off autopilot. Okay. I like it. I like it. Your money is a medium of exchange that you uh, traded your time for. Use it to get experiences, not just to accumulate all this time that you ultimately wasted if you didn't do anything. But I like it, man. I yeah, like, like Chuck E. Cheese tokens. I, after you get to a certain age, they're not useful. <laughs> right? Like, oh sorry, sir. I, <laughs> I have a giant bag of Chuck E. Cheese tickets that they would <laughs> not take. Wow. 
this is this has been going this has been a problem since i was a kid holy yeah. crap i no, i do it's still and, and i still have it for no rational reason whatsoever because no. i took yeah. it there and they're like we don't use these anymore and i'm like i got them from here and they're like yeah but it doesn't have the whatever and i'm like i want the godzilla plush doll and they wouldn't yeah. give it to me and you think you know a 27 at that time year old man coming in and yelling you think they'd get he they were very insistent they were not giving me the plush doll and they wouldn't even and, give you the plastic and, comb <laughs> nothing they wouldn't get i said what will you give me they said sir we don't use it because it just said ticket and i said but it says uh uh it's actually showbiz that's like the the great value yeah. Chuck E. cheese and i'm like it says showbiz and they're like no we don't use we we now have the thing and i'm like i want something give me the little clamshell thing with the pearl in it so i've been doing this for so it's so, okay i'm gonna yeah. stop doing it i'm gonna stop doing you it stop doing all right that. Bill, thank you so much for, for being on the show. Uh, uh, diewithzerobook.com. It's available on Amazon. It's available on Audible. Go to the website. Go buy it on all the various platforms that you can get it. Uh, stick around. I'm going to talk with you during the outro. Uh, but, folks, thanks again for tuning in for this amazing episode, mind-blowing episode. And by that, I mean you got to watch my mind repeatedly get blown in the corner here while he's talking, and I'm over here like... Like that. Thank you again for tuning in. Uh, be sure to join us uh, tomorrow. Uh, right? Yeah. Join us tomorrow uh, on Thursday for the Writer's Block where uh, Matt Wright is going to be interviewing Amy Lepore, who is the duly elected vice chair of the Libertarian Party of Delaware. They're going to talk about all the nonsense that's been happening in Delaware and what you can do to help. Uh, on Friday, join us for Cajun and Eskimo from Bayou to Igloo with Noel and Nullick. Uh, they will be talking about various libertarian stuff. Have a great rest of your weekend. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Hanukkah. And then uh, join us on Monday right here at 8 p.m. for Mr. Mirica, The Bearded Truth with Jason Lyon. His guest is... I forgot, but he has a great guest. And even if he doesn't have a guest, he's great. But he has a great, he does have a good guest. Then join us next Tuesday, 8 p.m. for the Muddy Waters of Freedom, where Matt Wright and I parse through the week's events like the chipper little middle-aged men that we are. And then join me right back here next Wednesday, same spike place, same spike time for another amazing episode of My Fellow Americans. My guest will be a sex trafficking advocate, sex trafficking victim advocate eliza blue she's not advocating for sex trafficking just the opposite uh <coughs> eliza blue uh and again thanks for tuning in don't forget to subscribe anchor.fm slash muddy water slash subscribe become a member of the muddied the, uh, by the by next week i'll have a name for what you are but become a subscriber to muddy waters today uh thanks again for tuning in i will see you next week i'm spike cohen and you are the power god bless guys
come together, become hybrid, at the least slightly like-minded. Indeed, the life I've lived brings light to kindness. All you need is a sign, put a cease to the crimes, put an ease to the minds like mine. Sometimes darkness is all I find. You know what they say about an eye for an eye in a time with the blind lead the blind. Who am I to deny? I would cry when a loved one dies. I recognize that body outside with the holes in the body that was alive. Now they find with a chalk outline. Find out how, but you never know why. It ain't even make it to the news at night. It ain't even make it to the news at nine. That's my sister, mother, father, brother, son. That's one of mine. All these tears, I close my eyes. Open up the only fine. I'm in line. 